Go Wolves indeed. FPL teacher here bringing you Aston Villa 1, Wolves 1. The game where Wolves played so well and as usual not being able to finish their opponents off will see us evaluating both teams in terms of how they dealt with their injuries as well as some new arrivals while <clears throat> examining for FPL purposes how to treat both teams moving forward. Aston Villa, a gentle reminder that their 4-4-2 has a lot more nuance than we give them credit for. This time without John McGinn, a really key piece to their formation, they were forced to play right back Manny Cash out wide on the right wing with Ashby Young behind him. So their 4-4-2 now instead of having a very narrow field with Buendia on the left and McGinn on the right, now was more orthodox with Buendia's left-footedness on the left while Cash, who is more right-footed, on the right. In any case, with Villa not having a lot of control in the first half itself, it was understandable that they switched it up in the second. But no matter which system they used, the idea here was that they prioritised pushing their left side extremely high up, while Ashley Young tucked in and essentially became a third centre-back. This was still the case when Ashley Young was hooked and Coutinho came on, which meant that Manny Cash basically filled in at right centre-back instead. Now, on to the interesting stuff. With Villa attacking essentially through their left side, they experimented with various combinations, but the catalyst to their comeback was presence in the penalty box. Coutinho's introduction merely shifted Buendia forward, as eventually the likes of Tendonga and crucially Danny Ings came on. Now, the difference here was that Compared to the first half where Watkins and Bailey played, the types of runs Ings presents when he bombs into the box will allow for fullbacks such as Lucas Dean to put in crosses that are far more targeted towards the 6-yard area. So long story short, Watkins and Bailey as a duo really operate in completely separate regions both bombing down the left and the right half space respectively, whereas with Danny Ings, his presence in the penalty area will allow fullbacks to actually put outswingers into the box, meeting him aerially. So it has to be said that for FPL purposes, the creative midfielders such as McGinn and Buendia will come into play when Watkins and Bailey utilise and occupy these half spaces, whereas when Danny Ings comes on, the fullbacks are more important, where the central midfielders also have increased penalty area presence, and it's just a matter of who the crosses fall for. In this particular case, yet another substitute, Ludwig Augustinsson, took a majority of chances as their crossing mainly came from the right. So it just goes to show that Villa are creative as their plan A and direct as their plan B. So moving forward really, we should look at whether you think Villa will be a bigger threat creatively in open play, or do you think they will be thriving on dead balls, aerials, and set pieces moving forward. Wolves, here we go. Yet another convincing performance that fails to get results really is something that a Wolves fan is quite numb and used to. So, going past the desensitized bits, the objective truth is that Wolves still dominate possession without really having an increased presence in the final third. The issue here not, is not only the 
finishing ability of their players. You know, it's also the momentum that they sustain, where having a lot of the ball in this, their opponent's halves will not translate to momentum. This is why most Wolves sides nowadays have a very clear plan in defense, able to stifle opposition, but they lack a clear-cut plan in terms of trying to beat their opponents and having a consistent threat in the box where one or two particular players will look consistently dangerous. It's understood that when Daniel Podens picks up the ball, he is creative, but he will never be seen as a legitimate threat especially in FPL because of the lack of 90 minutes first and foremost and secondly his tactical responsibilities for needing to actually fill out in defense alongside Huang as a narrow front three alongside Diego Costa and then somehow getting themselves all the way into the penalty area beating their men working with players up front and it's a huge collective responsibility on everybody. Now it has to be said that under Lopetegui, substitutions have been a lot more exciting, yet another X-Factor that sets him apart from his predecessor Bruno Large. Brian Inouri, now as a left winger in front of Hugo Bueno, has the ability not only to drift into the penalty box, but across the edge of the penalty area as well, receiving the ball in number 10 positions that gives him extra options in terms of his dribbling. He can now either dribble down the flank or he can just change direction really on the dribble and take shots himself. That being said, there are a lot of potential partnerships that are being forged all across the pitch. Bueno and Enuri on the left side is a very good example, while Podens and Bueno is also something that will create some amount of shots in the first half. But really, what we are really interested in is who will finish their chances. Because right now, Kunya, as a new January signing, is still tasked with linking up with the likes of Huang and Jimenez. And as they've demonstrated in their cup game recently, they actually maintain that relationship, linking up as dual number nines, and you would see that the likes of Podens and Huang as inside forwards will get the majority of their chances. So for FPL purposes, it really just comes down to whether you want to have additional investment in, on top of Hugo Bueno as a 3.9 million budget enabling defender. And as it stands, what we are looking out for is a partnership rather than a particular player that will score 10 goals in the final half of the season. Assessing two mid-table teams is a relatively difficult task, not just for FPL but in general, simply because number one, they do not offer as much value for money compared to the likes of Brighton, Man United and Arsenal. Secondly, moving forward, we know that their attack will continue to chop and change because of how their plan A and plan B worked differently and with different efficiencies in different halves. So it's a matter of attacking their defences and the flaws in their defence that we are really interested in, such as Wolves tackling as well as Aston Villa's wide narrow management throughout the first half itself. This is FPL Teacher speaking who will review Spurs Crystal Palace before a double header for the Chelsea games involving Man City and Fulham.